0: Welcome to As Told Here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W at WPAA TV and Community Media Center. As Told Here brings community media to where you are. Welcome to Midlife Matters, where we celebrate women's wisdom and wit. I'm Georgianne Lucia, your host, and I am delighted to introduce today's guest, Evelyn Robles Rivas. She is the Supervisor of Language and Community Relations in Meriden, Connecticut, and she's here to share a fascinating story of her own growth and development, and how she helps others. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, you wear several hats, including English as a second language, you oversee teachers, you identify and provide services and resources to the community, so you're a busy lady. Yeah. A lot of diversity, and what do you find most rewarding about this work? Well, as it's in
1: my current job mm-hmm. as the uh, as the uh, supervisor, I find it extremely rewarding, uh, making a difference for kids. The majority of the families that I work with are. Um, families of English learners, so mm-hmm. there are students that are coming from all over the world, uh, the majority Spanish-speaking that are coming to Meriden, mm-hmm. hoping to get the best educational experiences, and and my job is to provide the support, make sure that they continue developing the first language,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: at the same time, uh, transition to English. So it's extremely rewarding, it's, it's a way of working with, with the students, with the families, and also with teachers, mm-hmm. um, equipping teachers to, uh, to work with these students and address the needs of, of, of them, not only academically but also linguistically. Okay. So definitely uh, making a difference uh, of their life is, is extremely rewarding.
0: And how long have you been doing this role that you're in? Uh,
1: this is actually my fourth year okay. in Meriden. Uh, I started my teaching career in Waterbury, mm-hmm. and then I moved to New Haven. And then four years ago, I
0: came back home to Meriden. (laughs) And what do you find some of the key challenges are in this role?
1: Well, now more than ever, um, after the pandemic, right, Mm -hmm. we have um, experienced um, a lot of great uh, challenges in terms of how to have access to um, education and the schools were closed and not all students have access to technology, not students have access to uh, to uh, the educational opportunities. So it was very difficult, uh, especially for our English learners. Uh, it was really difficult to to navigate the situation of technology, uh, um, language, and at the same time dealing with the academic challenges that they had. Through the pandemic, we were able to see many Uh, obstacles that were uh, impeding our kids to learn well Uh, I'm glad schools were able to open Um, and also one of the challenges that I I have seen is of course the social emotional need Mm -hmm. like families are are struggling and and um, sometimes they don't know how to work with their kids at home or how to support best support them at home so um That's definitely uh, a challenge as well. So educators, uh, more than ever, needs to be extremely nurturing, uh, extremely supportive uh, in school, because sometimes we have to do a lot more than what we used to do many years ago. And what age students? We provide support for students from kindergarten to 12th grade, Mm -hmm. uh, elementary, middle, and high school. And how many
0: schools is that in Maryland?
1: Uh, 13 schools. Yes, we have eight elementary schools, Mm -hmm. three middle schools, and then two high
0: schools. Your day never gets boring. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. (laughs) And what do you consider to be a requirement to be a successful administrator, that part of your role? Now I am a district supervisor, but for
1: almost uh, 15 years, I was a building administrator. Okay. So I think that one of the most important for, things for administrators to, to develop is the ability to build relationship. I think relationship is everything. Mm-hmm. You definitely have to get to know uh, the people that you're working with, uh, the teachers, the school staff, uh, the parents the community, and, and of course, most important, the Mm -hmm. student. But I think it's really, really important to get to know the people that you're working with because then you can identify their strength, and that's how you build your team. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it was really important uh, to to develop a community of learners in my building. It's not just the teachers learning, it's the students learning, the community learning, even myself. I mm-hmm. think that we, we have opportunities to learn every day, and to be able to address the needs of all students, you really need to have a team.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, an administrator cannot do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. It can't. Uh, you, have to grade, you have to have great teachers, committed teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely need the support of the families, the parents, and build up on that, because it, it, takes, it takes a team to work with students, definitely. And managing resources, and sometimes we have less,
0: and we have to do a lot with mm-hmm. less. So we have to be organized and practical and mindful of what's available that, at their disposal. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. then I imagine you have like paraprofessionals and support staff, like even in the buildings and so forth, so that having everyone keyed in with. Absolutely. Each person in the building mm-hmm. has a role, right? But
1: each person in the building contributes to the learning of a student. The custodians mm-hmm. in the building, the cafeteria workers, I mean, they're part of a team. You build a community of learners, and you build a community of people that have their strength and their ability to make a difference in the, in,
0: in the life of all students that, that we receive. And your initial um, goal and training was in accounting. Right, so you didn't picture yourself being an an educator. And how did that shift occur? I had the opportunity to study
1: uh, and do my bachelor's degree in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. As, I, as you may know, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I'm part of the public school system mm-hmm. uh, in, of Puerto Rico. So when I started my undergrad, I actually pursued my career in management and accounting. Mm-hmm. I really want to become an accountant. And and I finished my bachelor's degree. I graduated, and when I moved to Connecticut, um, first of all, I had family here, so I was living in Puerto Rico with my mom. And my mom said, "Well, let's go to let's go to Connecticut. Let's go to United States, and um, maybe you can just go and and take your um, exam there and become an accountant." And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I found a job as a bookkeeper in one of the accounting firms in Hartford. And I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't picture myself sitting at a table doing numbers for such a long time. Right. I, I, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it was a coincidence that I actually went to a, 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 um, a concert, a Roy Brown concert in New Haven, and I found the supervisor of the VOTEX system at that time. And they were in. They were in a tremendous need of teachers. Uh, that happened in um, nineteen about nineteen ninety two. And he asked me, "Would you like to be a teacher? Would you like to be a math teacher and and help bilingual students?" And I said, "Wow, that sounds." Interesting, mm-hmm. and of course, I had the background in in, in accounting. Uh, I did take I did actually take some courses in education when I went for my grad. So I said, okay, well, let's let's see what we can do. And and I I, I went. I received uh, my I got my certification, and and I started teaching, and I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a, a meant to be, like working with students, helping them, um, uh, in, in, in learning through the process myself. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a second language learner myself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And I decided, I said, this is what I wanted to do.
2: Nice.
1: This is exactly what I wanted to do. And then I had my full-time job um, in, in Waterbury, and I started my teaching career.
0: From there. So you moved from accounting to math teacher. Yeah. And then, you know, the rest of the story unfolded. How has your business background um, helped you as you moved into administrator roles and the rest of your career? Well, um, I
1: think that is having the ability to manage budget, Mm -hmm. um, having the ability to manage time. Time Mm -hmm. management is definitely uh, something that you really need to do. You have to be able to maximize resources. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you have, as a building administrator, you don't have much. Uh, You don't have much money. Like, always budget is something limited, but you have to set a priority, and you have to make sure that uh, whatever you have, uh, you have to work with uh, to be able to to get results, right? I think that is so important to understand time uh, because you really need to maximize instructional time. Sure, you have to make sure that students have the opportunity to be engaged in 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 rich lessons and and but at the same time have time to breathe, to uh, to to interact with one another
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in a very safe environment. So. Uh, Again, time management is so important. Budgeting is extremely important. Also, um, I think that in in the management world, you always uh, look at people's strength, mm-hmm. and then you build up on that. Right? You there, there's uh, there's always room f- for improvement. Uh, every everyone has the opportunity to grow, mm-hmm. but they come with you with certain strengths. So you have to build up on that strength to to build capacity within the sure. team that you have. So that is something that that I always take into consideration.
0: And I imagine many people that go into teaching don't necessarily have that business background, training. And so that, I can understand, would really um, have been kind of a part of your toolkit that really enabled you to bring that strength. I Absolutely. mean, as much as it was a different career all those skills and orientations and the ability to set the priority and so forth. Um, What a nice balance, you know, that's very much needed. That many people would probably have to learn from a mentor or, yeah. Absolutely.
1: And at the same time, um, becoming an educator for me was also a learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. Like um, as a manager and as an accountant mm-hmm. background, uh, you always have the structure, you always have an agenda to cover, uh, you always start from 1 to 10, right? Mm-hmm. You always have that. And becoming an educator, uh, you definitely have to have a plan B mm-hmm. or a plan C, and uh, and that's not always the case, right? But I think that was a learning curve for my, for for me, for sure. for myself. That not everything has to be so uh, goal-oriented. oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a process, and there is an opportunity f- tr- for learning mm-hmm. in every single step you go through. Uh, and and in educator, you definitely have to consider that because you're not always working with things you're always with people and sometimes you definitely have to uh, make adjustments there's always some great areas Mm -hmm. not everything is just all black and white there's always some great areas that you have to consider especially when making decisions about
0: about students so data is different than people absolutely and it's more static and you know um I could see where that would be, you know, an element that you really needed to bring everything you had in your background uh, and your Absolutely. home life and so forth and just your personality and, yeah, yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> now, you're a first-generation college grad and you've earned your Ph.D., congratulations. And Thank you. 20 years have, has gone by. That's wonderful. We're chatting about that. Yeah. And you mentioned that you had family here, so that's what brought you to the Meriden area. And did you surprise yourself by getting the advanced degrees? Yes and no. Okay. I think that
1: um, I, I'm the youngest in my family, mm-hmm. and, uh, and my father uh, passed away when I was 13. Okay. So my mother became uh, mom and dad, mm-hmm. and my brothers and sisters, was always. they were always very supportive of me continuing my studies. Uh, My dad always told me that you got it, you have to study, you have to prepare yourself Mm -hmm. because you have to become independent. Mm -hmm. You cannot depend on anybody, especially men. (laughs) No, that's an important life (laughs)
0: lesson that dad left you with.
1: So I always had that in mind. So for my mom, uh, me going to... Graduate and going back to school. At mm-hmm. least my bachelor's degree. I never, never thought about my master's and my PhD at that point. But beca- having a bachelor's degree was extremely important for my mother. Mm-hmm. That was non-negotiable. Okay. And so I always wanted to go to college. And and my brothers and sisters, uh, they decided to graduate from high school, go to go to uh, uh, get a job. Mm-hmm. And then uh, three of them moved to Connecticut, okay. uh, in Meriden. Uh, so, so they were always very supportive. So, so I was not surprised when I finished my bachelor degree, mm-hmm. bachelor degree, and decided to come here. I was a little surprised that to the fact that I was actually able to go to UConn and earn my doctoral studies. Like yes. I was like, wow. Um, and that was because I was able to get a scholarship. Nice uh, through the Title Title IX program mm-hmm. at that time, and uh, and that was amazing. So once I became an educator, uh, and and I started my first and my second year teaching, they said you got it. You have to pursue your uh, master's degree in mm-hmm. education in order to continue your your uh, certification. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said okay. My husband said go for it. And um, I apply at UConn for the master's program. And and once I finish my master's, uh, of course I have my provisional educator certification. And then at that point, I said, wait a minute. I I think I can do more. I'm just gonna keep going. Yes, yes. I yeah. think I can do more. I think I can as a teacher. You you have. I mean, you make a difference in mm-hmm. the life of the student that you have in your class, right? right. But once you become an administrator and then you become a, an assistant principal, a principal, then you can make a difference in, in, in the life of more students because yes. then you're, you're making more decisions that are not, not necessarily a classroom decision. We're talking about mm-hmm. school. So I said, hmm, I think I can do that. And I had great mentors, that's another thing that uh, that definitely uh, made an impact in the decision that I made at that point. Um, I had building principals that were extremely supportive. Mm-hmm. That they they saw things that probably didn't see. Mm-hmm. I didn't see. Um, and they saw the potential, and and more than ever, we have a growing population of Latinos in in Connecticut in general, and and we really need to have to, we really needed to have representation in schools, in buildings, uh, even uh, at central office, representations of Latinos, so students can see themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that's how that's how I I continue my studies. I was persistent. Very persistent, sometimes, uh, you know, a little nervous, but um, but then once I finished um, and I, I was able to graduate, I was like, wow, you know, I, I did. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't think about that when you're going through the process. Mm-hmm. I think it's at the end when you actually receive a degree or it's like I said, wow, I did it, right?
0: Yes. <laughs> And you have shared that your mom always encouraged your education, as you've said, non-negotiable. Yes. She herself didn't have the benefit of education, but valued it very highly, right? And Incredible. you had those messages from your dad. And so what are some of your early memories of her and how she encouraged that persistency? Well, my mother is the youngest mm-hmm. of six. Okay. So she had five brothers mm-hmm.
1: all of them are older so uh, my grandmother became blind so my mom went to school up to sixth grade okay and then she decided to stay home to help uh mom and dad and also um her uh, brothers so but she even though she stopped uh, in in sixth grade I, I feel my mother is so full of knowledge. Mm-hmm. like she was she loved to read. she was always reading uh, she's a very faithful woman. like she's always praying the rosary mm-hmm. and, and extremely faithful and, and, um, and she knew. She knew the value of, of education mm-hmm. and how powerful. And, 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 and again, that was not, a ne- not, not negotiable. Uh, when, when my father was no longer with us, she said, well, he's not here, but I am. Mm-hmm. And she was always um, making sure that I had food at the table, my clothing was beautif- mm-hmm. were beautiful and clean, but my only responsibility was to study okay and and that's how that's how she did it um i uh, I remember her uh in puerto Rico, you know working part time selling you know, flowers vegetables anything she could mm-hmm. to make sure that we were that we were, we were okay and uh and that I didn't need to do anything else but study. that's a wonderful gift yeah.
0: yes. That Definitely,
1: focus. yes. Definitely.
0: So, tell us about the, your dissertation and how she was able to be part of that.
1: Well, um, that that was amazing. I I still remember like it was today um, when I explained to Mama right that, that that I was going through, I was developing a book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I was doing a lot of research, investigation, a lot of training. She didn't understand much, but uh, but she said, I, "I'm going to be there." Like, I said, Mom, I am going to be doing a big presentation mm-hmm. to a committee, and if I do well, then I will get my degree. So it was like explaining always to her. Uh, so she said, I'll be there. Um, we, love, we love fashion. Mm-hmm. We love to dress up very nice. We love to wear our makeup right. We do not get out of the house without lipstick. Okay. <laughs> that's very important. So for my mother, that was a great opportunity just to go. So at my di- dissertation defense, I had uh, two of my girls were there. They were little. Uh, um, I have three girls, <laughs> and uh, my mom was there. Uh, one of my sisters was there, and of course my husband. And I remember them being part of the uh, of the audience. Um, Listening to what I have to say. And she didn't understand anything. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't speak English. She speaks Spanish only. She understands a little bit, but um so she had no clue what I was so uh saying. But as I was doing my presentation, I was just looking at her, looking at the audience, and I was just looking at her being so attentive,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh being so like her eyes were so bright because I know she was I, I knew she was proud. Uh, it doesn't matter that she didn't understand. Right. <laughs> and uh and of course once I finished my dissertation and they called me and they said, Well, you know, congratulations, Dr. Robles Rivas. Uh, she was so proud. Wonderful. And my advisor went to her and said, Congratulations to you too. Wonderful. Uh, because it was the work it was her. It mm-hmm. was her work. I mean, I remember stories when I um when I started uh uh, all the preparation and the application for the program, for the PhD program, I had to take my GREs,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and um, at that time, I remember I went to Hamden to a, a a building, and it was in front of the computer that you needed to take the test, and and of course. Learning English is a process Mm -hmm. that takes years and years and years. And and, I mean, I have been in Connecticut for almost 30 years, and I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the language that you learn, you know, forever. And and I was nervous. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was going to take a test. And I remember her telling me, listen, you go and take the test. Uh, I'm going to light a candle, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to start praying the rosary. When you're done... Please call me and tell me you're done because mm-hmm. I know you're going to do well. And I said, okay. And that's what I did. And so when I finished my test, I said, Mom, I, I'm i done. And she said, oh, you you passed. You passed. I know you passed. And that was true. I passed Wonderful. all my sessions of the test. Um of course, I study really hard. Yeah, I yeah. did. But I am—I am sure that the power of her prayers mm-hmm. helped a little too. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. So I do have—I have, to, I have many, many stories about her, and she is 98 years old, and she's still full of energy. Mm-hmm. I hope I
0: could be just like my mom mm-hmm. when I grow up. Wonderful. <laughs> and speaking of growing, as you look back at your younger self. We get a chance to reflect. What advice would you give your younger self? I will say
1: be a little bit more confident. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that through my, I think I project myself to be a very assertive person. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I'm always scared. And and sometimes I think that reflecting on on everything that happens through 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 my life here in Connecticut, I think that sometimes I doubted myself. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, "Am I am I sure that I'm doing the right thing?" Um, like especially when I was raising my family and mm-hmm. going to school, uh, that was a lot of hours of work, a lot of hours of commitment in, uh, at work in school. With my family, like you, really need to have a balance. And sometimes, um, before I got married, uh, I think being young and and coming to another country, like you, you know, sometimes I I just doubted myself. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely, I would definitely say to my younger self, you know, just be a little bit more confident, have a little bit more faith on on what you on, on who you are. Mm-hmm. and and what you can do, you know? Wonderful.
0: And a favorite quote? Do you have a favorite
1: quote of saying? I do. I love Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. And uh, she always said, um, love by self is in reality not meaningful. It's Mm -hmm. meaningless. I think love needs to be connected to action. Mm -hmm. And actions need to be connected to service. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how you show love to people. And for me, being an educator is providing a service. Wonderful. Like every single day you service people mm-hmm. uh, you you service them by by smiling at them, by showing that they can do the work. you especially the students, you know you see them and and they have so much potential. Um, but you really need to show them that that you're there to support them. You're mm-hmm. there to service that that I
0: think the the work of the educator is to service. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And please tune in to your other fascinating women on future segments of Midlife Matter. I'm Georgian Lucier, your host, and thank you for joining us. Thanks to our local producers and Team Hercules for production support. As told here, conversations and stories shared in the public interest in Studio W, at WPAA-TV and Community Media Center. As told here, brings community media to where you are.